You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 2005 was a real change in Met history. You know, we really saw this franchise move in a very, very, very different direction. And I remember the way 2004 ended. It was obviously a really disappointing season under Art Howe. It was the end of an era of Met baseball. It was the end of Al Leiter. It was the end of John Franco. Todd Zeal was even given a big send-off at the end of that 2004 season. And then the Mets made major sweeping changes. They changed the manager. They changed the general manager. And then, and this is also kind of important, and this is something we sort of forget about, because we mostly remember the Wilpon era as the post-Madoff era, in which they were not spending, in which the Mets were treated like a mid-market or small-market team. But before that, there were eras, there were pockets of Met baseball where the Wilpons would be very aggressive in spending. And in hiring Omar Minaya to be the new general manager, and then him subsequently hiring Willie Randolph to be the new Met manager, the Mets went out and then spent in an offseason that I think is the most memorable of my lifetime. I'm curious if you as a Met fan feel the same way. And it doesn't mean everything worked out. It doesn't mean we can look back on it and say, boy, that was the greatest offseason of all time. I didn't say greatest. I said most memorable. Because the New York Mets went out and added two elite-level superstar game-changing free agents. Let's start with Pedro. Uh, Pedro Martinez was always a guy as a kid growing up that I admired, that I loved. As a kid, I collected baseball cards. I think we all sort of did. And I became obsessed with the great starting pitcher. Obviously, I didn't have guys on my team like that. It was more an appreciation for watching Greg Maddox, an appreciation for watching Randy Johnson. But the pitcher I appreciated more than anybody else was Pedro Martinez. And when the Montreal Expos decided to trade him, I remember begging my dad and begging WFAN as I listened from afar as a kid. I begged to it adamant objects. Can the Mets trade for Pedro? Can we be the team that swoops in and makes the trade for Pedro Martinez? It didn't happen, though. I would tell you a year earlier, before the Expos traded him, there were rumors in spring training of that previous year that they were entertaining the thought of trading Pedro Martinez. And that would have been the time to make the trade for him. <laughs> but, you know, that would have been the perfect moment. But the Mets never struck. They never got Pedro. We all know what happened. He was traded to the Boston Red Sox. And Pedro Martinez went from really good pitcher to legendary. He went from burgeoning star into the star, into the modern-day Sandy Koufax, which is what he was. He was a right-handed Dominican Sandy Koufax. That's what he did for a period of time that I think is unmatched arguably in the history of baseball. I even wrote a term paper about that in high school in which, and I apologize, this is going to offend the older audience. 
where I compared Pedro to Sandy Koufax. I literally did it. And I used statistical evidence from back then. I mean, we're talking about the year 2000 when I'm a junior in high school to support while even though Pedro didn't pitch as often as Sandy Koufax because different era, he was actually more dominant. And I used the errors that both guys pitched in to try to prove my thesis. Meanwhile, I got an A, but I don't know if I got an A because I proved it right. I think I got an A because the teacher had no idea what the hell I was talking about. So I bring this up because Pedro Martinez was a guy that from afar I admired. And then as a Met fan, and I think most of us can relate to this, we rooted for him so passionately against the Yankees. He was for a while their kryptonite, and then it eventually turned the other way, which of course turned into Pedro Martinez being, uh, or the Yankees being the daddies of Pedro Martinez. So when he got to free agency after the 2004 season, after the Red Sox broke the curse, won the World Series, and Pedro was fine during that run, we knew he wasn't the same guy. You know, I think you knew that that he had the aura of Pedro Martinez, but the statistics told you that he wasn't that same dominant pitcher he was during that Kofaxian run he had. In fact, in 2004, he had a 3.90 ERA. Threw a lot of innings, which was good, and he was healthy, which was good, but it was a far cry from what he had done previously. 2.22 ERA in 03, leading the league. 2.26 ERA, leading the league. The year before that, he didn't pitch much in 2001, but he was great. 2000 was arguably one of the most dominant seasons in the history of baseball. 1.74 ERA, 0.73 whip, man. I go through these numbers all day. Point was, Pedro Martinez at 32 going into his age 33 season was not coming off of a great year, but I wanted him. I was obsessed with... That's the guy we need to sign. And the belief I had at the time, and it turned out to be the talking points everybody used, was this changes everything. This brings a credibility to the New York Mets that no one else can bring. I mean, no offense to Tom Glavin. I know Tom Glavin was a future Hall of Famer when the Mets had signed him a few years earlier, but Tom Glavin wasn't Pedro Martinez. And so early in the offseason, the idea of the Mets signing him was something I was completely fascinated with. And I remember where I was when he signed. I was working at Sirius Satellite Radio at the time on my uh, office or in my office on the 36th floor. When I got the news that Pedro was signing, I jumped for joy. I was so, so excited. Even though I knew we were probably getting a shell of the player he was. But after signing Pedro Martinez, the other infinity stone, I don't even know what that means, but CP, the franchise, tweeted that at me about Mikel Bridges being the final infinity stone of Leon Rose. So I just borrow it and use it now because it sounds cool. My infinity stone, I don't even think that makes sense, was Carlos Beltran. Because Carlos Beltran had just authored the greatest postseason run in the history of baseball. Now, not his fault his team couldn't get past the National League Championship Series, losing Game 7 to the St. Louis Cardinals. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
But man, oh man, that run was intoxicating. And not only did Beltron give you that incredible postseason run, he was far and away the best player available in free agency, which doesn't always make the guy that person, the guy you want, but he was 27 years old. He was a switch hitting globe glove caliber center fielder who at that point in his career had already driven in hundred runs five times. He had already completed how many 30 stolen base seasons. He was on my fantasy team that year. I do remember that the first year of the fantasy league I'm still in today. And he was intoxicating because those two guys, to add both of them in free agency, arguably the two best players out there, a Hall of Fame pitcher, a guy that gives great credibility immediately, and then to go add the best position player available, who's coming off one of the great postseason runs in the history of baseball. When the Mets completed that deal, and that came second, Pedro came first, Beltron came second. Pedro signed, if memory serves correct, I would say it was probably in December. Beltron signed in the middle of January. And upon signing Carlos Beltran, I was so freaking excited. Weren't we all? It didn't bother me that he had offered his services to the Yankees. It didn't bother me at all. It didn't bother me that the Mets had to just be the highest bidder because that's what I thought free agency was. That's how you get guys. You don't get guys by having them just necessarily want to play for your team. You got to buy them. And the Mets bought the two best available free agents of all time. And that's why... 04 and 05 was the most exciting offseason I ever had as a Met fan. Now, they weren't done. They acquired Doug Mankiewicz, a move I was really excited about. If you have to ask yourself why, ask yourself what podcast you're listening to right now. You're listening to a Met podcast named after Rico Bronya. So I'm not saying Doug Mankiewicz is Rico Bronya, but Doug Mankiewicz was a gold glove caliber first baseman. So even though he didn't have the big stick, even the stick of Rico himself, I was excited about just getting that kind of uh, vacuum cleaner at first base. They did pursue Carlos Delgado, who is far different than Minkiewicz, but they ended up not getting him, which was a little disappointing. But considering Beltran and Pedro, and I like the glove of Doug Minkiewicz, I wasn't devastated. They also signed Daesung Koo. They also brought in Marlon Anderson. They also signed Ramon Castro. And of course, they hired a brand new manager in Willie Randolph. How did that offseason work out? <laughs> I'd say it's pretty damn good because they got Carlos Beltran. And even though Carlos Beltran had the ups and the downs with a lot of Met fans, and his first season was certainly not a very good one, when you think about the standards that we had for him coming off of the years he was coming off of, as we sit here all these years later, that offseason changed everything. That offseason was the beginning of, you know, it wasn't the greatest run in Met history because it was only one playoff appearance and it was only, you know, and a run that ended prematurely when you think about it. Go back to our Game 7 NLCS rewatch if you want more thoughts on that 06 team. But I look back at that offseason as one of the most consequential offseasons in Met history and one of the best. The season for Beltron was so mediocre in 2005. He went out and played a lot. He played injured, and the performance showed you. His batting average was low. His on-base wasn't high. His slugging was the lowest of his career. He only hit 16 home runs and stole 17 bases. A year earlier, he hit 38 home runs and stole 42 bases. In his first year with the Mets, he had a 744 OPS. It would actually work out 
as one of the lowest OPSs of his career. But even with that offseason that he had, I remember thinking, this isn't who he is. It's a bad first year, and it was frustrating at the time. But I was confident the best would be yet to come. So the 2005 offseason, I still look at the 04 and 05 offseason, if we're being specific, as one of the most consequential offseasons of all time. With that said, what they did the following year, that's what really took them from being a good team and a fun team to a damn good team. 